Hey, you want to do one more thing? Yeah. Let's do, let's do um let's do coin game ping pong. We'll take turns doing one sentence on coin games and what uh, like uh, maybe a quick quip off of uh, each of them. And I'll start with the beginning, Andy and Abyss. And I will tell you that my favorite card in Andy and Abyss is the submarines. Submarine narco subs. Narco subs. I do love the narco yeah. subs. Uh, Andy and Abyss. Don't forget about Cali. <laughs> yes. So, uh, liberty or death. If you're the Patriots, don't forget you're playing the Indians as well. Definitely, liberty. Liberty or death. Don't play it like Washington's were. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, a distant plane. Um, take a week out of your life and learn it. Um. This is the great thing about editing this is I can... Point for Jeff. Yeah, no, I think that it... Is that what that is? Is that what just happened? I think I just got a point. You just scored a point in ping pong. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I hope we don't play to 21. (laughs) Hey, gang, it's Harold, and here's another podcast. During my trip to ConSim World Expo in Tempe, Arizona this summer, I interviewed a number of interesting people. This is the fifth of those interviews. This podcast is singularly composed of an interview with Cuba Libre co-designer Jeff Grossman. We'll discuss his work on Cuba Libre and what he's been doing here at ConSim World Expo. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to your feedback. Jeff studied history in Marquette University and possesses a Master of Library and Information Science from the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. He began a career as an academic librarian in 1993 after stints in restaurant management, politics, event management, which he described as keeping drunks from puking on rock stars, and sales. Jeff's currently an electronic resources librarian at Colorado Mesa University in Grand Junction, Colorado. Jeff has been playing conflict simulations since he was 10 when his aunt Sis bought him Panzer Blitz from the J.C. Penney's catalog. He started designing and modifying games very soon after and is still always tinkering with something. Southeastern Wisconsin, especially in the 80s and 90s, was a gaming wonderland. Designers Gary Gygax and Mike Carr, as well as author James Lauder, weren't just names on boxes or books but people he could talk to about games and narratives. Trips to the friendly local game store, The Dragon, in Lake Geneva, and the not-so-friendly local game store, Napoleon's, in Sherwood, would frequently turn into all-day discussions of games, miniatures, rules, or alternate history. Jeff co-designed Cuba Libre, Volume 2 in the Coin series, with coin father Volko Runka. We'll start this interview with a question about how Jeff got involved with Coin and Volkorunka. I uh, had playtested for uh, Labyrinth. Um, playtested it and ran a number of Labyrinth uh, games at different conventions and um, was pretty involved in that. Uh, so when Volko started talking about um, coming out with a new series, which became the Coin Series, and 
um, particularly a game on the Colombian War. I was very interested in that and uh, um, signed up and started playing with uh, um, uh, uh, someone I had worked with before on the playtest, um, on a number of different playtests, and actually had played online games for him with him for years at Steve Kaler. Um, and um, we started um, playtesting Andy and Abyss. Um, the, um, didn't think much about it, and the, uh, as things went on, um, Andy and Abyss was kind of lagging on the P500 and um, wasn't picking up many orders. And um, Gene had kind of s seen what was going on and you know, knew Volko's reputation, so thought that there might be something that they could do to increase interest in the series. Um, and you know, it kind of hit me about that time that I had this um, old design I'd worked on um, involving um, Cuba, which was basically a two-player Cuban Revolution game, um, very traditional kind of hex counter game on Cuba, and that I'd never really, I'd put it away probably, I designed it when I was in graduate school and looked at it maybe two or three times since then. It was one of them in my drawer full of game designs that never went much of anywhere, maybe got played by a few friends along the way. Uh, but I thought that was a game that might actually be adaptable to um, the coin system, especially when um, at about the same time I was reading um, uh, T.J. English's uh, Havana Nocturne, which talked about the mob involvement in Cuba and the Cuban Revolution and how that could actually fit very closely to the way the uh, cartels fit into Andean Abyss. So I, seemed, I, I thought it might be a, a good fit and uh, uh, basically pitched the idea to Volko. And our idea originally was to have a, uh, essentially a promo game, maybe a game that came, would come out in, uh, you know, in, the, in the magazine, maybe a magazine format game, or maybe a smaller game that could introduce the coin series. So it was originally thought of to be a smaller game and one that you know, would have the potential of being not a full format game. Um, when Gene heard about it, he, he immediately said, why, why, why think small? Let's think big. Let's, let's think about a, a different game. And I think at the same time, um, Brian Train was um, working on the, what, um, what became a distant plane. Um, so instead of one coin system game, you know, we basically were working on three coin games at the same time. And that's kind of how Cuba Libre became, you know, a coin game and uh, um, how, how, how the kind of the, the, the whole series got off to a start. So was was you said uh, Andy and Abyss? They were you were still play testing, or they were play testing? Yeah, it was we we were pretty we we're pretty happy with the system, but the numbers just weren't at the point where GMT thought they could, you know, they could actually print it. Right. right. But once I think it became a series, and once people started getting interested in, well, maybe I'm not interested in Colombia, but you know, I kind of interested in Cuba. And then, you know, other people, of course, were interested in Afghanistan. And um, th that I think that was a nice synergy as all of the games. There were people that thought, well, as, as a, this could be a series, and I'd be really interested in, you know, getting into this type of game in a series. So mm -hmm. um, it, I think it 
it it it kind of helped spark interest in the other titles too. Right. Um, and um, I think even though the numbers weren't still weren't great, um, I think um, you know Gene, you know the GMT people saw saw the opportunity there to to make the series. Had the foresight, I guess. To yeah, exactly. To know what this was going to become. Exactly. Right. Really extraordinary. Now the faction selections in Cuba Libre. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a traditional insurgency. I don't know if the traditional mm-hmm. is the word to use, but it, perhaps a classic yeah. insurgency there. And frankly, with two competitive insurgent parties, right? And Correct. Then, and then you mentioned the addition of the mob, which exactly which is it's most an, interesting. So, another insurgent, but a, a different dynamic to right. Them. So so talk a little bit about the factions, right? And, and yeah, and, and your perspective on them, because I, you know the the mob is one of the most interesting factions, uh, although very much like the cartel. A very interesting faction uh, in in the coin, uh, in the scope of the coin system. Yeah. Well, to, to start off with, I I always had you know in in the original vision of a Cuban Revolution game, I always saw that there wasn't you know th- there wasn't the unity that is often perceived in that um, revolutionary party. You know, it wasn't one set of revolutionaries working towards a single goal that there were a number of insurgent factions and, you know, there were, you know, probably at least a half dozen major um, insurgent parties. So I thought the justification was there that was pretty strong that, you know, it wouldn't be one insurgent faction, that there would be multiple ones because they, you know, there were, there were many, you know, different, um, you know, groups working toward different ends. There were, you know, urban revolutionaries and student revolutionaries. There were, you know, very, uh, you know, more civic action-minded groups. There were, you know, um, the, um, uh, like, uh, peasant liberation movements. So there were a lot of different things going on. So to have different insurgent groups that could cooperate or occasionally fight that, that, you know, the government would have to alternately worry about and but could also have the option of working to divide and conquer with them to maybe even work with one faction while while fighting another one um, that I thought that was always a real powerful dynamic in, you know, a counterinsurgency situation. And then when you added the component of the mob, the 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 uh, partner for the government but you know a partner that could be it w- that would would very easily get out of control and was very difficult to manage um was was a real interesting choice for that that government player to deal with and that was something that was really different i think than Andy and Abyss had cuz you know Andy and Abyss you know the the, the syndicate are never really your friends as as the government player you're always really thinking of them as you know, an enemy. Um, or, or a means to an end to inflict exactly. something, right? Exactly, exactly. So, you know, the, 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 the syndicate works much more as a partner with the government, but, you know, it's, it, it's, not, always a, uh, it, it's not always a perfect working relationship. Right. So um, especially since, you know, uh, after a few plays, most play, players realize that, you know, the syndicate is a very real threat late in the game. So trying to figure out as the government at what point you're going to, you know, cut, knock that faction back down right. or 
alternately is the um, you know is the uh, 26 July or the directorial, you know, wor- worrying about hey the, we can't let these guys get if we, even if we knock down the government we can't let these guys sneak in and walk away with the victory too. Right. You know one of the one of the things that's great about Cuba Libre is is uh, that it that it's I think it's been described as a as a knife fight in a phone booth. And and I think that's fitting, right? And and, yeah. and then part of it is compared to Andy and Abyss, it's a much more concentrated map. And it it was funny. The first test map I did um, was basically to get things on, get counters on the map, you know, and and start thinking, do Working does this does this yeah. really work? And it, it was a very simple map that I just drew up with essentially the all the provinces on the map and then you know a separate area for the mountainous area down in the south of the oriente province and you know put that together thinking that you know eventually it would become a more complicated map but when we did complicate it and add more areas it actually made it a worse game it actually slowed the game down it made um it made for less conflict and um you know, it. I I think that only survived one iteration before we went back to the original playtest map. And that's and interesting. So it's primarily based on political organization first. Exactly. And it seemed to work. Exactly. And it it really followed, um, you know, the 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 play and the playtest reports. I was I was reading and the um, the individual test sessions that I had. It 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 tended to follow fairly closely with historical decisions on. You know where to make commitments and where um, where insurgencies would 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 line up. Um, so it was working very well. So you know it it, it came down to seeing no reason to change um, once we had a, a working map. Yeah, when I I remember having that discussion with Volko once about how did you, how do you set those borders mm-hmm. in the Indian Abyss, and he said they started with political borders Mm -hmm. and it makes sense right i mean there's there's a there's a reason that a a government organizes uh, a country into a series of sub-national units because they seem to have some commonality and the other thing that was convenient was it also made it very easy to gather uh, data like population numbers and to really um, start thinking about you know did you know what the actual population is match what the game um would support as well right so um in you know obviously in in cuba it was pretty easy to you know figure out those numbers there weren't there weren't you know great data back then but at least you have a general idea for population of cities and population of provinces right and that was pretty easy to and unfortunately there wasn't a book available i'm sure where you opened it up and said okay this is a it must be a two (laughs) <laughs> you had to do some conversion and a little bit, but math. there's you know there's some good you know um, you know of course how how accurate is anything, but you know pretty reliable data um, right. you know statesman's yearbook you know you can pick up a pick up those going back to right. you know <laughs> the turn of the century. Well, there's also uh, uh, you know one big city uh, and, mm-hmm. and other yeah. smaller, but but it makes uh, it makes all the difference in the world to this game versus the flavor of Andy and Abyss. Yes, absolutely. And that the country is, and that this, the, the, the capital is so important. Yes. And it's important for the, it's, it's, it's important for the government because it's a victory condition that you have to control all the cities, right? Yeah. And, or uh, at least they have to be at support. Mm-hmm. But, but um, you know, the, that the city is so big 
Yes. That uh, it just gains everybody's attention. That's and right. And even if you, you know, even a, even a short-term loss of control in Havana can be can be a game loser for the government and a game winner for insurgent factions. Absolutely. And certainly and at the wrong time. Yeah. Right? And that's... Um, Again, the narrative, the traditional narrative of the Cuban Revolution really didn't talk much about what was going on in Havana. You know, it was almost, almost didn't get um, mentioned in most of the, you know, most of the accounts of the war. It talked about, you know, little bands of guerrillas in, you know, the, the Sierra Mistra and the, um, you know, and, you know, around Santa Cruz. But, you know, very little talk about what was going on in Havana. So that's where... Really, a lot of the um, the modern scholarship, you know, talking about um, the that that revolutionary period in Cuban history, um, talked more about activity in you know the, the the cities in Cuba, more about the urban guerrilla movement. And uh, my suspicion was that it was always there, but I never had you know very good Eng- English language evidence of that um, right. until very recently. Right. Interesting. And as as Cuba opens more, right, right, we should see. Well, I I, I think that I I, I I wonder in ten years if you know I basically I'm going to find out that a lot of the assumptions that I made are are wrong. Right. That 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 they're things that I just didn't get right. Um. And yes, that that's that uh, that will be you know wonderful if we'd see you know a lot of those documents being released and really really do have uh more of a grasp on you know different um different things that were happening that you know aren't part of the historical record right right now right and as always right the victor writes the the history so yes and 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 the communist victory and in in uh, in che guevara's case it rewriting that history probably uh probably got him killed right (laughs) because uh brian train um one of the quotes in the yearbook talks about how you know they really misunderstood the lessons of the cuban revolution of their own revolution you know that this small band you know very focused group of guerrillas you know in rural areas or in the mountains could basically create this revolution you know, not realizing that this, it, it, that wasn't what happened, that, you know, it was a very broad revolution and there were, you know, other groups working in different parts of the country. And it was just happened to be that the, you know, the, the, the strong leadership that Fidel Castro was able to provide was able to unify, although very briefly, you know, unify those groups that really eventually put, you know, the, 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 you know, I guess current government, you know, in in power. But the uh, propaganda changed the story. It totally they, rewrote they the story. To, they begin to eat what they were cooking. That's right. Exactly. Of course. It. Well, why give credit? You know, why give credit to anybody else? Why talk about that there were groups of you know centrists and you know groups of you know students and you know groups of you know um, li- you know capital L liberal. Um, you know, uh, essentially people wanting, you know, liberty and thinking things like, you know, free press was important, um, that they're, they're, those groups were as important, to the re- as important to the revolution as, you know, the July 26th movement. The, and, and the leaders themselves. 
Exactly. Ironically, right? Yes. Exactly. So um, let me put you on the spot as it relates to some cards. What are mm-hmm. what are your favorite events <laughs> and cards in the game? Well, I think a, a couple. It's it, it's kind of funny. Volko and I had opposite experiences when we were doing research um, for Cuba Libre. Is, um, he said he came up with a, a, a really new and uh, you know new respect for Che Guevara. Um, my experience was quite different. Um, I, uh, you know, went in thinking that you know F- Fidel was, you know, a you know a good leader, but you know was built up a lot on you know propaganda. But you know, as I started reading, especially like through some of the State Department, pa- U.S. State Department papers, and really realizing in a lot of ways he was very canny, um, and um, you know the 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 different kind of cards involving Fidel, um, I I I think I want to try to bring out some of that you know the canniness the the way you know essentially he was able to manipulate the United States in you know kind of drawing down the support for the Batista government and not you know causing them to focus on him as an imminent threat. I thought it was very, very savvy politically how, uh, how they do that. And there, I think there's a, a number of events that, you know, really do, you know, um, that, that do bring that out. Um, the other one I, I, I like the effect of, although it does, it, it really varies on the game as to whether it's an important card or not, but the Raul card, um, because he, he's well, um, you know, learning, as I learn more about um, Raul's role during the revolution, um, kind of, you know, impressed me with uh, um, some of the, the skills that he was able to bring in, and um, uh, the uh, um, uh, especially as it relates to the kidnapping and, you know, basically the kind of the subtle ways that um, they were able to, again, manipulate U.S. public opinion, pushing things, gaining, gaining money, gaining support without offending the U.S. government enough to, you know, flood the country with aid, you know, back up, you know, prop up Batista. Right. Um, I guess the, I'll, I'll mention one more, the, the Vilma Espen card. Um, it, it's one of the fun things that you can do in um, a card-driven game, uh, you know, coin game, is really bring out some alt-history. Um, because there's kind of question with, you know, Vilma whether, um, you know, she was maybe a, a bit of a devious character as well um, in, you know, kind of both, you know, working with the revolutionaries in Santiago and actually, um, you know, um, maybe leading to one of the deaths of a prominent competitor um, in the revolution as well. So I, I, I thought that, that card has a nice little both two-way effect. So there, there's, you know, one is speculation and uh, um, maybe a little bit of, uh, of fun alt history. Um, and, you know, one is the, you know, based on the actual historical character. That's great. I'll have to, now, now I want to go pull out a I, copy I sh- of Cuba Libre and look up that card. That's right. And I should say Vilma was actually at... Uh, for a period of time was Raul Castro's wife. Oh, interesting. Now, 
there is uh, well the other card that that everyone talks about because it's so American is the Frank Sinatra card, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> That's right. That, that uh, Frank's uh, association certainly mm-hmm. with the casinos, mm-hmm. if not the mob, right? Yeah, there was um, a plan, a uh, fairly well advanced plan to have um, Frank Sinatra host a regular TV show from Havana, you know, and again in one of the big casinos and uh you would really see uh you know basically a broadcast from C- cuba both promoting the tourism and you know an individual casino and of you know by 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 um uh, uh, simultaneously promoting you know but the batista regime as well interesting good stuff man <laughs> I, you know it's 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 all so uh so close to home although you know generally before our time yes uh, certainly certainly very close to home exactly i i talk about a little bit in the play but uh, is the one of the experiences i've had you know some of the kind of the brushes with the cuban revolution that i've had and you know meeting these different people who had really different um you know reactions to the revolution you know one you know uh revolutionary who it wound up fleeing Cuba shortly after the revolution. Right. So basically because, you know, he didn't agree with, you know, Fidel and probably would have been jailed or killed um, if he would have stayed. So fleeing and, you know, basically living in Chicago. Um, and then, you know, others that, you know, were, you know, hardline Batista supporters um, that, you know, thought that, you know, Batista was doing a wonderful job, and it was, you know, a shame. And uh, even a couple of casino workers who, you know, had, you know, thought, you know, you know, the casinos in Cuba were amazing places and talked about being the, the, the best, best place they ever worked at. So, you know, just really different opinions about different aspects of it. Of what it was all like at the time. Exactly. Right? Right, and then of course, you know Castro lasts for so long through the Cold War, and exactly uh, is, is a big part of, of what we know. Yeah, so, I always thought there maybe that there there's another game in there somewhere with, uh, you know, basically a, a you know uh, a player being Fidel and trying to manipulate that you know that you know exist between the you know <laughs> Russia and the United States and right. just just walking on that line enough to. Right. Can you know continue stay in power, but uh, you know not trigger a war? And <laughs> it was extraordinary, right? With the missile crisis, how exactly. close he was to the exactly to falling off or falling over that line. Exactly, right. and then again, it, it the you know interfering or intervening in Africa right. as well. Right. I mean, you know, uh, you know, uh, again, this you know tiny little you know speck in the Caribbean. You know, having such an impact on world affairs, right, right, and and you know the the it, it feels almost like Andy or Cuba Libre bleeds over to uh, Twilight Struggle. Exactly, right? we played Twilight Struggle earlier Absolutely. this week, and and we had the uh, Fidel Castro card, and uh, we knew the Che card was coming at some point <laughs> if we'd gotten there, and uh, uh, it, it I love watching just looking at the carryover between the games. It's, exactly, exactly, and it's it's. It's fun when people will talk about that. And, right. You know, that's why it always, it, it, you know, it's always a kick for me when, you know, somebody will, you know, you know, I'll be, 
you know, playing a game and they'll like, you know, walk over with a, with a card and right. say, you know, it's like, hey, look what I just played. Right, right. <laughs> no, you know, when we went to uh, Central America last year and we were in Santiago, Chile, I had my Allende card, mm-hmm. right? And of course, there's another card that is, a, that is uh, something, uh, uh, I can't remember the name, that, what, the name of, but there's a picture of Pinochet on the front. Yeah. And, but the Allende card is, and so we were in front of the palace, and I pulled out my my Allende card, yeah, and uh, and and got a snapshot, right. So you mm-hmm. see things like that now that are just terrific, especially around exactly. Twilight Struggle. Uh, I I look forward to as 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 Cuba opens up. I think we'll see people with, you know, some of the cards from your game with uh, pictures here or there. Exactly. Uh, so that will be fun. Have you have you had any interest in going to Cuba? I do. Do you think you'll be immediately imprisoned? With- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I doubt that. And, yes, I, 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 I do have a lot of interest in going. Good. Um, I, you know, hope the, that there, there, there is a, you know, um, hmm, what's the right word here? Um, that there is a stabilization in the relationship between you know the United States and Cuba. I mean, it's it's not been a productive relationship, um, and you know it's you know I, I absolutely not saying that there aren't reasons for it. Um, I you know I I I I say I uh, you know gained a respect for Fidel Castro. That doesn't mean it's I've developed any kind of um, liking or um, you know, sympathy at all for the regime. Um, you know, I think, you know, it's, it, it's, it was brutal. It continues to be brutal. Um, you know, it would be difficult under the current circumstances to, to go and, you know, feel like I was doing a good thing visiting right now. You know, I hope that will change and I hope, right. I hope to visit because, right. you know, uh, I, you know, I've absolutely loved the Cubans that I've met in America, whether they were, Cuban Americans or Cubans visiting or, you know, um, people that had, you know, lived in Cuba. Um, right. I always love to hear those stories. Right. Good. Well, that'll be, uh, that'll be a great trip. I'm, I encourage you to take your card set with you. Uh, <laughs> we'll do and that. As you travel around, take a few <laughs> snapshots for us. They're terrific. Uh, we're very much looking forward to that. So there's a, there's a, an expansion or a, a module that someone's working on now related to Cuba. Yeah, theory. essentially the Bay of Pigs. Um, yeah, it's um, I, I haven't been very much involved just because I've I've never studied the history. Um, I've read it, uh, you know, I've read just generally on it, but I've never really made a, uh, enough of a study to really know the history very well. And you know, a- absolutely, you know, support. Um, the the folks working on it um i you know played in a few of the tests and g- given a little feedback but it's been as a gamer mm-hmm. not as really a, a a historian or developer or any work whatsoever so i'm kind of excited about that i i you know i've i've liked that period um you know i would like to know more about it mm-hmm. so uh, i'm kind of interested to see the exploration of of it in there, and, and what a, and what a great idea I think for gamers in general to be able to take a game that they already have, and for a much lower price, add exactly a, a module that's in effect a completely different game. I play tested it early on. I don't think it looks anything like it did, right? Uh, when I looked yeah. at it a year or two ago, but uh, but but it was intriguing. Oh, de- definitely. I, I think it'll definitely. be. I think it will be fun. 
definitely. I've, I've liked, you know, uh, uh, the expansion of um, Labyrinth as well. You know, it's it's really, you know, again, brought some light, uh, new life to, you know, a game that I've really enjoyed in its original form as well. Right, so I look right. forward to... Uh, yeah, it f- it's great that, that a game like that isn't overtaken by events, right? That, that, exactly. That it's a, it's a point in time in history and we still love it uh, years later. And then someone takes the initiative to to do the research to uh, update it, and it's almost like it's a new game. Yeah, totally. Twilight Struggle is, is, to me, again, that snapshot of point in time that uh, the world's changed dramatically since then, but what a fantastic game that is. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, that's, you know, if if there's a game probably that I've recorded more plays of than Twilight Struggle, I I don't know what it would be. Right. Maybe it would go back to uh, the my 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 you know early gaming days of uh, <laughs> Midway or Battle of the Bulge right, or something exactly, like that. Right. Exactly. Panzer Blitz. Exactly. Panzer where I had yeah. where I had four games and you know the <laughs> would would play whatever whatever one it was uh, fifty times. But uh, but that, that's what's compelling, right? I mean, you have we have hundreds of games in our closet, and and that one just keeps calling. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, right. you know, it's a game that I'll, that I love to teach people. It's a game that I love to, I, 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 I love getting, you know, getting crushed by the, the be- better players. Uh, I, I, it, it's, it's always, it, it's always compelling in some way, even, even when I don't play it particularly well. Right, right. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I, uh, Bruce Garrick, uh, the wild weasel, I, I play, uh, I play with him on the uh, iPad, mm-hmm. and he's very good, mm-hmm. and generally I get crushed. And the only times I win, or it seems like the only times I win, are when he makes a tragic error, and, and which he does sometimes because I think he's playing 20 people at the same time. <laughs> you can right. make tragic errors in Twilight Struggle? <laughs> it's hard to believe. I've, I've, I've run into any of those games. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to believe. Hard to believe. <laughs> hard to believe, but uh, uh, yeah, I I, I uh, love love the game for that aspect, and and I think a part of it is the romance of the history, right? This is uh, for people of our vintage. It's a it's a game that we grew up around, even as children. Uh, I, these names, Brezhnev, and yeah. you know, and, and the evil empire. Did you have to do duck and cover drills? I didn't, but uh, no, I, I but was, I saw them on TV. I, you know, I, was, I grew up in Ohio. We yeah. don't duck and cover, but in California. Oh, and we yeah. we duck, ducked and covered in Illinois. That's for that sure. right. Yeah. yeah, we had uh, tornado drills, yeah. and I think it was probably an appropriate surrogate for <laughs> for right. uh, for the duck and cover. So <laughs> uh, we were certainly ready. But so we find ourselves at Consim World Expo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see each other here frequently. This is this is my favorite convention. Yeah, mine too. Uh, it has uh, it has a great feel. It, it's very it's romantic to be able to come in and walk through the this giant conference room, the the giant ballroom uh, that is a, that is adorned as nicely as you could ever imagine for a game convention. Mm-hmm. Beautiful tables, air on chairs, plenty of space, strong air conditioner in the 107 degree heat, uh, and 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 so that alone is great. But so many good great people come and play yeah. these monster games. So very cool to walk around and, and see that. But this year you didn't play a monster game. You yeah. did a lot of pickup gaming. So yeah, tell, tell me about what you've been doing. I've 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 found actually though with the convention here what I what I enjoy most is you know seeing the people year after year, talking, catching up with people, 
um, talking, you know, c- conversing over games and and things. And I, I I do love monster, you know, getting the monster game out every once in a while and and, and playing it. But I I I enjoy this. I'm, I'm enjoying the social aspect so much that I like, you know, playing different games and you know catching up with different groups of people during the week. So uh, yeah, we. Uh, Started out with uh, a couple games of Twilight Struggle, so uh, it's always a good way to get back in the in the flow of some gaming. And uh, like you, I do play online. So, but there's a difference in playing face to face. It's uh, it, is. it it it's a different experience, and uh, uh, had a lot of fun with that. Um, uh, uh, Paul Marjoram and I have been playing uh, have been playing to games together for a couple of conventions now and we talked last year about you know we're getting to the age now where we start putting together kind of a game bucket list of games you want to play either again um you know before we before our run is done or games that we've never played but always wanted to um so freedom in the galaxy was this year's choice so we uh set up and played freedom in the galaxy and uh um i'd i'd Purchased it new um, when I was in college, um, and we got out and played it, I think, one time, a, a small scenario one time, and uh, it sat in my closet, sat in my bookshelf in my closet for for years, and I would pull it out probably you know, maybe every year or two, look at it, maybe think about setting something up, maybe set a smaller you know, move some counters around, and then it went back in the closet. So this was our opportunity to get it out and play that play that game. And you know, it's it it it's incredible how well you know those old old games hold up. So we'll probably work in another one of those uh, bucket list games for uh, next year. And that that's the that that that'll be fun. We're we're debating on which one it'll be, but we'll uh, pull out another old game or uh, you know something that we've wanted to do for a while. Um, I uh, had a chance to uh, um, also play uh, No Retreat, um, which is uh, another one I played with Paul, and uh, um, uh, another game we both liked a lot, but don't get a chance to play very much. Um, so in, in enjoyed that one a lot, and we probably took four times as long as uh, any uh, No Retreat <laughs> game has ever taken, partially because we were watching World Cup games and partially because we were, uh, you know, got distracted and talking about things or, you know, seeing different people or, you know, browsing the dealer area, the flea market and, you know, or, or looking at one of the big monster games and, uh, you know, kind of, uh, both simultaneously wishing we were playing them and being glad that we weren't. <laughs> so, uh, um, had a fun time. Um, got to play one of my favorite game systems that I, I, I always think that I should play more of is Musket and Pike. Um, we had a chance to play a Musket and Pike, Pike scenario, and um, I got completely crushed and enjoyed every minute of it. That's uh, great. And Musket and Pike, Pike is always kind of that experience for me. It, it just generates such a narrative with every battle um, that, you know, the, the, the key moments and the, the, you know, the critical turns of... Uh, um, you know, turns of fortune, and um, it just had just had a lot of fun with that one. And uh, I'll yeah, always try to try to play one at the convention if I can. Um, and then uh, let's see, we played uh, Pax Perfiriano this morning, and 
always always loved packs and uh then I played some other game that some <laughs> jerk dragged me into last night. Uh, what was that one? Which I think uh, was John Company. John Company, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll. Uh, but jury's out on that one, Harold. So, are you angry about both of those because I beat you in both? Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so yeah, okay. So and that, and and not just you know not just not just beat me, but just inched me out. You know. By uh, by one point in John Company, John, John Company, and by one turn, one turn, after, <laughs> one one. Right, you were after me, and uh, I triggered the win right before you had the chance to trigger the win. Very funny, yeah. Very so funny. never Although, sit next to Harold. Well, or, or or sit sit to his right, I guess. Is the, yeah. You know the um, and and in packs, uh, I triggered the win a turn earlier but I was wrong <laughs> and couldn't make it work. So I had made a fool out of myself, so I was very lucky that when it came back around, I could still win. Yeah, I think I explained how to how to do that. So <laughs> that's it was right. my own darn Yeah, fault. that's right. After I screwed it up, you explained <laughs> what I had done wrong. I, uh, much appreciative. So that, it, that seems <laughs> like time. always the case for me at PAX, right? I, I, I have to ask so many questions that it's telegraphed <laughs> that yeah, it's coming, exactly. right? Everybody knows, and everybody's kind enough not to jump ahead and, and play defense. So, uh, Exactly. I think that's probably my eighth game, and I'm just about to the point where I'm figuring it out a little bit. Right. So, <laughs> Yeah, I need to play. You know, I, I play one – I play it once, and then it's six months, and then yeah, I play it again. exactly. And, and uh, the, it's not enough in proximity, close enough proximity that I can uh, – Kind of really, you know, grok the details, right? Uh, so, so, but it, but what a great game it is! Absolutely. And as you pointed out, the cards are beautiful, and yes. as I pointed out, they're not very functional. That's right, right? Which, that's, which is really the conundrum. That's right, and it's. I think you play it two or three times to get used to what the cards actually are, right? And what they could do, and then probably two or three times where you actually start understanding the mechanics well enough to you know maybe you know compete and maybe be in a position to win right and then you start figuring out okay here's actually how i would go about winning not that you're actually be able to do it but right. you can actually you know start looking at okay if i do this maybe i'll have a chance right no doubt you know the the, the rules for both of those games uh are an enigma for me as well you know there's in my mind i have a continuum between Easy to read and learn, and then the other extreme is the um, technical manual, right? Yes. And so, so my view is that the what Volco did on Coin is the technical manual, and it and it and it's a, it's it's beautiful, right? It's good, it's excellent, it's correct, it's well documented, it's perfect. Not the easiest thing to read and learn, but in my mind, once a game's so complex. You have to have the technical manual. Yeah, absolutely. On the other hand, um, it's nice to have a simpler game written in a very, um, you know, the, uh, written as prose where you can just read and, yeah. and, and do, and, and it's easy, and there's a nice little few examples. Yeah. I, I think that, and I know that Cole wrote uh, John Company Rules, and Phil Eklund wrote the PAX Porfiriana rules. So, so it's not the same person that wrote them, even though it comes from the same company. Right. But I think in both both examples, the rules they could be so much better if they were written in the form of a technical manual. That's right. That's and, right. And and I, you know, and, I, and 
but you see it um, kind of what you see it is I, I think there's three different styles because you have the um, as you said the you know the kind of the technical manual style and you have the kind of the the I call it block style um, the best I think at writing those style of rules the most successful is tends to be Mark Herman I think he he writes it in a way that you can read them and understand them. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I struggle actually with that style, mm-hmm. but Marks have always been able to play. You know, I should say his more recent games. Right. I've always been able to play. You know, and, and, and interpret his rules. But that's a very difficult style to write yeah. and to you know to carry it out. So I kind of agree that I I think the technical manual is more accessible especially if you're you know picking up a game and you haven't played it in a while you kind of remember the basics of it but you need a reference to go back and look right and it's really easy to go back and find the applicable section right um for uh, a few probably two or three um times when i've been demoing um cuba or uh before the indian abyss um I totally forgot the rule book and you know I I guess I could have tried to pull it up on my phone and read the rules but most of the time I could hand out the faction sheets to the players and kind of explain what they could do and we just played the game off the faction sheets I'm I'm sure there might have been a mistake along the way but generally they're playable from the faction sheets right and maybe you'll have to refer to something that that the complete text might not be in a card to explain it well enough, but but you can essentially play that. The, you know the the whole. I maybe I shouldn't say the whole coin series, but most of the games in the series you can play essentially with the, you know, without the rule book. Yeah, I, th- I think that's I think that's right. Right once you yeah. once you figure out the sequence of play, exactly, and and then uh, some of the subtleties of using. Uh, operations or commands depending on the yep. game I, I think you're right and uh, I tell new players to coin all the time that um, that 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 faction aid sheet with the four factions yep. you, you play the game with this in your hand your whole the whole time yep. right and that's and that's get used to that because that's how it works uh, so and I, I don't think that the player aids are a weakness that I have a, a friend that uh, believes that any player aids are a weakness in a game but I in my mind the beauty of the fact that I hold that in my hand the entire game mm-hmm. and continually reference it is yeah. very powerful because, like you said, that's you're not referencing the rules. You have that player aid, and, uh, yeah. and that that uh, that's makes for a great system. Uh, but um, but you know we're both immersed and biased, so yeah. <laughs> I'll accept that as well. Um, so at this point, it would be good maybe to ask a few informal questions. Uh, so we'll start off maybe with um, what kind of music do you listen to in your free time? I listen to about everything. You know, I I I I, I really like uh, you know I really like uh, folk music. Um, I've um, when I was back in my college days, uh, some uh, friends dragged me along to uh, see a guy that was playing at a, a club in Chicago called named John Prine, <laughs> and. Uh, John Prine's still making music and listening to his new album right now. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how his songs have touched me from when I was 
19 years old to uh, 56 years old. And there's still a lot of them are as meaningful now as they were then. And a lot of them wow. are way more meaningful. So, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, I think he's coming to uh, my little town in western Colorado uh, uh, later this year. So I'll catch up to him again. Right. Well, what better place to perform folk music but Colorado? That's right. So what about uh, TV, movies, that sort of thing? Yeah, the 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 one that's really captured um, my imagination lately has been Westworld, um, just because of the way it examines the the whole human condition, you know, and 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 what humanity means. I mean, my answer to that, you know, I think it's probably changed in the last couple of years, and you know that that the word humanity I used to think was was you know a good word, and you know, and I question you know whether you know what 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 humanity is doing to her to itself and uh um i i think that shows amazing at exploring not just questions of you know man versus machine but you know the you know the whole you know you know what what is what is humanity and what you know what 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 are we doing to you know our world and uh, our society Interesting. Well, it's timely, right? The, with the development and progression of AI, and yeah, and the talk about uh, the implications. Exactly. Of AI, right. Exactly. An extraordinary time. What about reading? What do you read? <laughs> um, right now, it's uh, most of my readings. Uh, it it it's always been historical. It probably always will be. Um, yeah, you know, uh, a lot of it now is audiobooks as opposed to to books. It's always funny. I'm a librarian, and uh, people always will say something like, "Wow, librarian! It must be great to read all the time." <laughs> you know, I laugh because you know, about about zero percent of my uh, work time is devoted to reading. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, what? Um, I I always in the summer I I, I pick up something lighter and. Um, it, kind of another one of those books that uh, you know uh, that that aren't exactly what they seem. So it's uh, the, what I'm reading now is Miss Peregrine's uh, Home for Peculiar Children, um, which is a more of a young adult book. But it, you know, I think it 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 asks a lot of questions about you know what's normal and what's you know what you know what what's the difference between being safe and happy and, you know, being in a cage and not having freedom? Um, all of those uh, kind of issues and that and that, that pretty straightforward, you know, kind of fantasy, um, you know, adult book, I think are, there's some wonderful themes in there. I'm really enjoying it. That's great. You know, the books for young adults, I, Harry Potter, one of my favorite series, and I started... Uh, reading the first book to my kids in a little uh, session, right, in the evenings at home, a little bit at a time, and then just fall in love with the fantasy of the story. And, exactly. And, uh, and get swept up. So, um, uh, and, and, you know, frankly, one of my favorite books of all time is Ender's Game. Mm-hmm. And Ender's Game has become a young adult book, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and we, you know, we, we've, we've seen the movie and it's violent, uh, but I think, I don't know if the intention was, uh, for it to be a young adult book, I think it was, and mm-hmm. uh, and and there are a lot of it, it's it's framed that way. But it you know once again another very very interesting book mm-hmm. uh, that is that started as a young adult book. 
What about, um, well, we talked a little bit about what games you've been playing here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, let, let's close with the, tell me about what you've been playing at home and do you, do you have a group that you game with and, and how does all that work for you? Well, a few years ago, I relocated from Milwaukee, which has a real strong gaming community, not just, you know, in, in you know, Euros and, you know, uh, Meritrash and, you know, war gaming and, you know, historical miniatures. There's all types of gaming um, to Grand Junction. Um, where, you know, a, a lot of the gaming is, um, you know, uh, the um, deck building games, uh, you know, magic. Um, and But there's um, a, a, a really great little Main Street game store there um, that has a really great community. And, you know, I've been able to uh, play different things with, uh, with different people, um, introducing a few of them into a little more of the conflict simulation games, um, so, uh, most, most of my face-to-face gaming has been, you know, uh, the more of the, uh, you know, Euro games, co-op games, um, uh, playing Pandemic, um, quite a bit and Pandemic Legacy and, you know, really, uh, you know, enjoying that. And the, the great thing now is that, you know, I can play some of the, you know, other games I can, you know, take, take to the internet and play via Vassal. Um, you know, playing Wind Leader, um, Be a Vassal, Twilight Struggle um, on the app. Um, I've uh, uh, soloed quite a bit more than I had been doing. So, uh, you know, just got finished, uh, you know, uh, soloing Unconditional Surrender and um, had Pendragon set up for about two months and pretty much had a continuous game where I'd play a few cards every day and Pendragon and right. enjoyed that a lot. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, uh, it, the, the nice part about it is, you know, that, that, you know, the, the, the internet that can be, you know, in a lot of ways, a negative for us, um, can also really, you know, keep me in touch with, uh, you know, hobby that I've been, you know, basically doing now since I was 10 years old. It's a, it's a force multiplier for gamers. I, I think that that's a great that's a great term, it, right? but it really is. You know, I, I I encourage everybody that if you haven't vassaled, you need to learn to vassal because there's so well, many there's, games available, and there's so many ways to do it too. If you you know, well, I don't have a lot of time. Well, how about a turn a day of a multiplayer game? You can right. you can find people that are perfectly happy playing you know two player a turn a day or. You know, if you want to get things moving a little quicker, you can, you know, play live online. And, you know, there's there's groups that play, you know, Virgin Queen or Here I Stand, you know, live online, and, you right. know, every week. So, yeah, there's, there, there's just so, so many options. Exactly. And, and, and the, um, uh, a lot of players play um, monster games on on Vassal because you don't have to leave it set up. You don't have to worry about the cat. You don't have to worry about your <laughs> wife telling you you need to pick that bunch of junk up off the floor. Uh, you can you can set up a monster and you can play it over the course of months and months and months That's and months right. with someone else or a group of people and uh, it's it's terrific. It, mm-hmm. And 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 it you know it, it also allows us to identify other people that are interested in the very obscure single thing that we're interested in. Right. That's right. And and. Uh, uh, that's that's the, the 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 good and the bad thing about the internet in one way, right? Is that these all of us with our very obscure interests can be matched up with uh, uh, with others, and the, I guess the good news is our obscure interests are for the positive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right. Not always the case, yeah. but um, 
but that's uh yeah that's a good thing i think people should become involved in it if they're not because it's a it just gives you so many more options well jeff i want to say thanks for taking the time to talk to me on the podcast and and uh you know, I, I, a lot of respect for you. I enjoy coming here every year and gaming with you. It's a real treat, and it uh, is great fun. So thank you for taking the time. I enjoyed it, Harold. Let's 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 do it again when uh, both of us have developed another game. <laughs> That's right. We'll do it. It's a plan. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. that's a wrap for this podcast. I'll publish some notes and references on my website, conflictsimulations.com. Join the Herald on Games Guild on BoardGameGeek and leave me a comment with your thoughts and ideas. Thanks to the Raleigh, North Carolina-based band, Funk Upon Ya, for the intro and outro music. Check them out on Facebook, Spotify, and iTunes. I'll close with a special thanks to Jeff Grossman. And that's it for me. As always, trying to figure out how to monetize coin ping pong. And I'll be back soon.